Y'all keep your feet. I'm going to read the scripture that we'll be at this morning. Um, and we're just going to let this thing just keep right on rolling. Um, um, Nathan will have the scriptures up on the board. You can turn around and grab your Bible or whatever. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a place. And, and I'm telling you the, the title of the message is It Is Well. And when I tell you these verses of scripture, you're going to go, I'm going to stay here just to see how this works. <laughs> If you're in children's church, you can be making your way out. Children's church folks can, can be finding their way out. Everybody else be getting your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. Remember, our goal this morning is to get us to a place where we can block everything else out and we can focus in on God to the point that we can say that no matter the storm we're in, no matter what's going on, we're going to be able to say, honestly say, and really mean it is well with my soul. Because I'm here to tell you that in this world there's a storm right near every day. In the life of a Christian it's a daily occurrence to have to stand up and battle. To have to fight. And to have to get after it. And remain the individual God has designed you to be. Right? So in other words, in the middle of these storms, we need to be able to look up and go, it is well with my soul. Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 33, listen. This is, this is Peter's opportunity to walk on water. I, I, when, I, when I knew the message and I knew what God was doing and I, and I flipped to this, I went, this ain't going to work, God. But he said, trust me, it'll work. Just do it. Just, just just, do what I've asked you to do. I didn't mean to say just do it. Right now is not a good time to say just do it. I just go on and throw that out there. That was an accident. That ain't what I was looking for, so don't. Yeah, I know. Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Matthew 14. I got to get on the right page. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. The crowd that he's dismissing, if you read ahead of this, is the crowd that they fed. Jesus feeds 5,000. You remember with a few fish and a few loaves and they got leftovers and it's all these people and all these families and they all get fed. Jesus is dispersing that crowd and he tells the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side to cross over the water. In verse 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Brother Kevin, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please?
Y'all can be seated. <clears throat> now, there's a few things that I want to pull out of this uh, scripture this morning. Just don't want to read through them. Want to make sure that we um, take just enough time to to recognize that they're there in hopes that at some point you'll go back and read these things and and get a better understanding of what's being said through these scriptures. They don't necessarily pertain to what we're trying to accomplish this morning, but they are very important, and I do want to touch on them just for just for a couple of minutes. And the first one that I see is in verse 22. He says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. If it was important, for Christ to have time alone in prayer, how much more important must it be for me? This is, this is another example of Christ separating himself. He's just dispersed this crowd. He sent the disciples off, and he separates by himself to go up on the mountain and pray. If it's important for my Savior, Jesus Christ, to take time alone in prayer, how much more important is it that I do the same thing? It's necessary for every one of us to have a prayer life that causes us to separate ourselves from everything else and have a time in prayer. Now, we can debate and talk about and get into how long he was there and how long he's, and wonder what he prayed. Listen, the important thing to know is that he took time to be alone in prayer. And if he had to have it, there's no way you're going to make it without it. It's not going to happen got to have a dedicated time that you are alone in prayer. Now, it's important to pray as a group. It's important to pray as a family. It's important to pray over meals. But you need a dedicated, set-apart, by-myself time with God. The most important thing in this world is your relationship with Christ. Nothing can outrank that. Because if that fails, nothing else matters. But if everything else fails, that still matters got to have it. Make sure it's in its appropriate spot in your list of priorities. Listen to this. And we notice also in verse 22 that the disciples were told to go. Alright? Don't, don't. In what we're doing today, it's important that you lock that into your memory. The Jesus told the disciples get in the boat and go on the other side. And they on the way they encounter something very large. A lot of times we think because we're walking in obedience that can't nothing touch us and it won't be no storm. That's not true. <laughs> Matter of fact, the opposite is probably more true. You're more likely to incur a storm when you're walking in obedience. If Satan ain't messing with you, I would stop and check and see where I stand spiritually. If Satan ain't messing with you, it's probably because he don't need to. I would check myself if everything is just smooth and all the water around you is calm and there are absolutely no distractions in your life and nothing's, you know what I mean? Because if that's the case, you're probably walking in the wrong direction. And he ain't got no need to mess with you right now. He can just leave you alone and let you be on your way. You don't ever want to be in that position. Just because you're walking in obedience doesn't mean there won't be a storm. 
as I read about the guy, and I wish I could remember his name, Spafford is his last name, Spafford or Spafford, Horatio, is the guy that wrote the song, It Is Well. I read on into that a little deeper, and I found out some things that really troubled me that I really didn't intend to mention, but because we're going this way of walking in obedience, after that, after he's lost his, he's lost his two-year-old son, lost everything financially in the Chicago fires. He's rebuilding things. Now he's lost his four daughters. They have a couple more kids. He loses one of them. His church told him that he was being punished and he was disowned by his church. Because they had the impression that if you walk in obedience, nothing bad happens. You don't encounter storms. The disciples were told to get in directly from the mouth of Jesus himself, get in the boat and go, and they encountered a storm. You can be walking in obedience and run into a storm. Matter of fact, if you're walking in obedience, you'll probably encounter a storm. There is no promise of happiness in the Bible. There's not. There's no reason for you to pursue happiness that don't exist. It's a falsehood. You can catch it from time to time and get a little dose of it, and it feels pretty good for a while, but it don't last. That's why God don't bother promising it to you, because it's not sustainable. So if you have been told somehow that becoming a Christian is a promise of happiness in your life, I'm here to tell you today I'm sorry, but somebody has misled you. The opposite is true. Jesus said if they'll do this to the vine, what are they going to do to the branches? Right? Jesus said the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Come follow me. He told that to hundreds. You know how many followed? Twelve. And he stopped them and said, hey, you can go too. And old big mouth Peter spoke up and go, where will we go? Where, I mean, what else is there? You're all we've got. And he said, hey, boys, it ain't going to be easy. So this ideal, this theology that somehow happiness is what we're after is wrong. If you will pursue godliness, you will fall over happiness. <laughs> You'll be walking along and go, oh, who put that there? With a smile on your face. But if you spend your life looking for happiness, there will never be a time where you can stop and say, it is well with my soul and be honest about it. Happiness is fleeting. Let me prove it. When I was about 12 or 13, all I needed was a driver's license. If I could just get to 16, I'd be the happiest person in the world. I could not wait till I got 16. At 15, I got my first job. Big Daddy took me to go find a vehicle. We had one spotted. He had one spotted. A 1972 Ford F100. Three-speed on the column. Man, this was going to be the happiest day in all of the world. We went and did the deal, and I come home in that. Well, I didn't come home the first trip because we had to play games and do the dance and get it for what we wanted, so we left it sitting there. I was as heartbroken a kid you ever seen in your life. 
I had the money in my pocket. Daddy's going, shut up, shut up. I'm going, but I can. He said, just shut up. And we get back home, get back in the truck, and I go, but Daddy, I got the money. He said, you ain't got to give him all your money. He's going to come. But Daddy, he said somebody, he said, listen, there is no somebody else. This is a game we play. And we got home, and we were home five minutes, and the guy calls and goes, oh, I don't want to let $500 get in the way of the boy in his truck. Daddy said, yeah, right, there ain't nobody else. We'll be back just shortly. We go and get this green and white 72 Ford F100, three-speed on the column, V8, straight pipe with glass pack. Wow, wow. And let me assure you, for the first six months, I was right. I was the happiest person in the world. But do you know what happened? Big deal now, I can drive. I got six months later, I didn't even want to run down to the store for Mama to pick up milk. I was tired of driving. I was tired of shifting gears. I was tired of loud pipes. I was tired of paying for insurance. I was tired of buying gas. If I can just get to 18, I'll get out of this house and be on my own, and I'll be the happiest person ever. And at 18, I leave home and go to college, tech school, college, whatever. Happiest day? No. It was. For a little while, but boy, it's about this long. And I was wishing I was back at the house with Mama's cooking. Because me and them morons I moved in with didn't narrow one of us having any clue. I, honest to goodness, made the call to my mama. Listen to me. I, honest, this was going to be the happiest day, remember? I look forward to being 18 and moving out of this house. I can't wait to get gone. I honestly called my mama and asked this question. Are y'all ready for this? She's sitting right there. She'll tell you it's the truth. How you cook that corn in the can? <laughs> Listen, this is going to be the happiest day of my life. I can't wait to see. You see what happiness does? You see how it just continually, if I can just have that next thing, I'll have everything I want and I'll be happy. And you get it and for a moment maybe you are, but then it's gone. You can spend your entire life pursuing happiness and never have a time where you can honestly stand and say, it is well with my soul. Because it's so fleeting, and it's so inviting, and we want it. And listen, that green truck, I loved that thing, man. I drove the wheels off of that dude. I loved it. I had to put me a four-barrel on it and all that stuff, and it, it went from 12 miles to the gallon down to about eight. It was 11 from my house to Amanda's. You can imagine how much gas I went through. But it was happiness before. Now it's a hassle. You see this? I wanted to be in college out of my mom and daddy's house so bad. Listen, the day I come home from college, my brother has all my stuff in boxes. And he goes, there's your stuff. I said, cuz, I'm moving back in. He said, oh, no, you done left. It's over now. I said, oh, no, I'm coming back. You got to unpack my stuff. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah. What made you? I said, you know. He said, well, all you ever talked about is getting out of this house. I said, yeah, but now all I've ever talked about is getting back in it. <laughs> So scoot over, over me, and you still sharing a room, baby. <laughs> I come back from my honeymoon. This is unrelated. I come back from my honeymoon when me and Amanda got married. I promise you, you I, I got three witnesses. I promise you, my brother had packed everything I owned into boxes and had it sitting just outside the door waiting on me to come get it and get out of there. He thought that was happiness. Wasn't about two days he wanted to come visit. <laughs> No, 
No, happiness was your house without me. No, you ain't coming to my house. You see what happiness does to you? You see how it's just continually chasing it? And this is just, this is just my experience. What about you? I'm going to bet that you have similar stories. I'm going to say that you can think of times in your life when you thought this is the thing. This is what's going to make me happy. And you got into it and maybe for a day or two you were and then it was gone. Don't pursue happiness. Do not pursue happiness. Happiness is not promised to you nowhere in Scripture. These disciples had been told to go get in a boat and cross over the sea. And they do so. They're being obedient. Keep going with me. <clears throat> In verse 24. But the boat by this time, while Jesus was praying, was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Now would you say that you and I can take from that that when the disciples got in the boat, the storm started? Because I would, by that verbiage and that wording, I would say that Jesus was praying. When he got done, it says this was evening time when he went to pray. All right, then it says that by the time he got done praying, he was alone there in verse 24, but the, by, but the boat by this time was a long way away. Why? Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. All right? Here's what I'm getting at. In the fourth watch of the night, when is that? Anybody have any guesses? It's early morning. The Roman army divided the night into four three-hour watches. It went from six hour, 6 a.m., uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That was the 12-hour night watch. It was divided into four three-hour sections. So there was a 6 to 9 watch was the first watch. 9 to 12 was the second watch. 12 to 3 was the third watch. 3 to 6 was the fourth watch of the night. Nine hours. These guys was in a fishing boat in a storm. Nine hours. All they was doing was what Jesus told them to do. Don't miss that. They were being obedient. Jesus said, go get in the boat and go to the other side. They got in the boat. A storm rages for nine hours. They're in a boat. This ain't a, a uh, carnival cruise line. Now, it ain't a 14-foot flat bottom either. The average Galilean fishing boat, just his average numbers, was approximately 24 and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet deep in the hole. So it, it ain't a 14-foot flat bottom like we get on Richland Creek with, but it ain't no cruise liner either. It's a 24 and a half foot boat, about seven and a half, it'll hold about 15 men. They're in the sea in this wooden boat in a storm being beaten, scared out of their minds for nine and a half hours. Have you ever been in a storm you thought lasted just a little too long? 
Have you ever been walking where Jesus wanted you? You ever been feeling like, God, I, I ain't never been so close to where you want me in all my life, and all of a sudden a storm rage up, and your initial thought is, this won't be long because I've been good. <laughs> and nine hours later, you're still in it. Nine days later, you're still in it. Nine months later, you're still in it. I have. I certainly have. I've had storms that lasted longer than I thought they should. It was well on beyond the fourth watch of the night. And I was scared out of my mind and didn't know what to do. And I was fighting and flailing and doing everything I could think to do. And what I really needed to do was be still. Just be still. Just stop and collect myself. Because look, 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 these disciples were told to get in the boat. So, so being obedient doesn't omit you from storms. They've been in this storm for approximately nine hours. So it ain't like every storm you encounter is going to be just for a little while. Some of them may get a little lengthy. It, it may take a little while. But look, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Listen to this. This, this, is, this, is, this is his disciples. Y'all realize that these are the guys that have been with him throughout his ministerial ministry. I'm trying to think of a word. I, can't, I, I knew I shouldn't have went there. These are the guys that have been with him in his ministry as he has been walking on this earth. They know him, right? They're familiar. With, this ain't people that have stood by the roadside and watched him pass by and caught a glimpse. These are the guys walking with him, right? These are the guys that are familiar with him in his physical form, right? He says, hey, don't be afraid, here I come. And they said, oh, it's a ghost. Listen, the storm had them so out of sorts, they didn't even recognize Jesus' voice. They didn't even recognize Jesus' face. Have you ever been in a storm so severe that you couldn't even recognize Jesus' voice? I have. Have you ever been tossed around so badly that when Jesus spoke, you thought it was a ghost? See, what happens is, and we're going to get into this here in just a little bit, we get so concentrated on the storm. We get so concentrated on the things going on around us that we don't even recognize the voice of our Creator. We get so distracted by garbage and junk going on around us that we don't even recognize the face of our Savior. We get so distraught and so bent out of shape and so worked up over so much garbage that we don't even recognize Jesus is calling out to us. He's trying to use us to build people up and we're too busy, distracted by a bunch of garbage that we don't even recognize his voice. Hey, at the end of the day, it was just a nine-hour storm. Them people in South Carolina, they take nine hours not to know. That, that mother with that child with cancer that's making all those trips back and forth, for years and years would take nine hours right now. 
that person that's been fighting that addiction for more of their life than they hadn't, they'd take a nine-hour storm right now. Y'all got stopped. It got real, didn't it? See, now we can put a face to that storm. Now, now we can put a name on that storm. See, before it was just a story about a bunch of guys in a little boat in a big storm. See, the reality of it is this is a story about each and every one of us and this life that we live. And we do get distracted by our storms. And sometimes we get distracted by junk that ain't got nothing to do with a storm. We made it up. And God is standing over here going, come here, I need you. Be here, I need you. And we're going, oh, it's a ghost. <laughs> because we're so distracted by all the other garbage, we can't even recognize his voice. And our goal is to get to a place in life where no matter what's going on around us, we can honestly stand at the front of the boat and put our chest out and go, it is well with my soul. Because listen, the storms are coming. You will have to go through storms. You will have to endure. Now, I'm, there's some things right here we're fixing to get into with Peter in this particular instance and how he handled things and what it looks like and what we get from it and what we've missed of it that I really want you to get. So I need you to go back to before we sang the song when I ask you to just completely focus. Uh, now I want you to focus on this scripture. I want you to focus on this message. Not, uh, not my voice. I don't care if you can't even hear my voice. As long as God is able to speak to your heart somehow, that's all that matters. Listen. They thought he was a ghost. They were terrified. <laughs> and they cried out in fear. This isn't mistaken identity. This is so distracted by what's going on around them that they don't know who Jesus is. Right? You see that, right? They were terrified to the point that they cried out in fear when Jesus, this is a voice they've heard over and over and over, y'all. They should have recognized his voice immediately. Every one of them. And it's 12 of them and narrow one of them did. Nobody raised their hand and goes, oh, 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 that's Jesus. They were terrified. The problem isn't the size of the storm. The problem is where their focus is. The problem isn't the size. Listen, there's no storm on this earth bigger than your God. There's no storm on this. There's, there's nothing in this world that can defeat my Savior. So it's not the size of the storm that's the problem. It's where my focus is that causes the problem. Because if my focus is on Christ, if my focus is on God, the storm don't look near as big. It don't look near as big. But when my focus is on the storm, 
I don't even recognize his voice. My goodness, that's a scary place to be. But Jesus immediately spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now here's where it gets good. Here's here's where we start preaching. Peter, old Peter. Now listen, Peter's got a bad rap, don't he? He's the one that's always opening his mouth. He's the one that's always, he's the one that stood before Jesus and goes, Not me, I ain't never going to deny you. And by daybreak, what's he done? Three times, right? But Peter's that guy, that one that always speaks up and says something, and, and you know he's got good intentions, but my goodness, he should shut up every once in a while, right? See, that's me. <laughs> I know how Peter feels because I'm that guy. I'm the one that opens his mouth and he walks off going, Dang it! why did I say that? Now I've got to call him back, <laughs> right? Y'all act like I'm the only one in here. I, I ain't. Listen, here's Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now at this point, they've been in this storm for nine hours. The storm is still raging. He hasn't calmed the storm. Jesus has just made his arrival. They've went from being so afraid they didn't recognize him to Peter standing up and going, Lord, if it's you, let me come out. See, Peter's starting to recollect some of the things he's seen Jesus do. He's seen the water into wine, right? He was, he was present for that. He, he's seen the, the people that were healed. He's seen him just feed. Listen, we ain't but about nine hours from seeing 5,000 people fed, right? So Peter starts to recollect, hey, he can do anything. If that's you, Lord, let me come out of this boat. And, and Jesus goes, well, come on, big guy. Just walk your little happy self right on out here with me. Now the storm is still raging. This is a guy that just a few minutes ago was so rattled by the storm that he didn't recognize the voice of Jesus. You ever been there where where Christianity was like a roller coaster ride? One day you can't think about nothing but how great God is and the next day you're so distracted you can't recognize his voice? I have. I have, probably more than I should admit to, I have. And Peter's there, from not recognizing his voice to going, get me out of this boat. The storm had him terrified, now he's wanting to get out in the water. What's wrong with you, dummy? Sit down, Jesus is coming. But no, not Peter. He stands up and goes, if it's you, let me come out. Now, Peter gets a bad rap for this. But there was 11 other guys that didn't volunteer to get out of that boat. There was 11 other people that was, part of them was still cowered down back in the back up under the little thing where they stand. But Peter stood up and said, Look, call me, get me, I want out of here. And he said, well, come on, big guy. And Peter comes out of the boat in the middle of this storm. How can he, po- listen, At this moment in time, you know what Peter can sing and really mean it? It is well. He didn't care about no storm, right? He wasn't concerned about no storm. You know where his focus was? Jesus. 
And it didn't matter the size of the storm. It didn't matter the size of the boat. It didn't matter what 11 other people in the boat with him was doing because his focus was one place, Jesus. And with his focus in that place, he got out of that boat and he took steps on water. Raise your hand if you've done that. Lord, help us. There's two people I know of in the history of life itself. That's Jesus and Peter. That kind of puts him in an elite field, don't it? You know how he got there? Focus. He was at a time in his life for that very... Now, he'd just come out of a nine-hour storm where he was so scared he didn't recognize the voice of Jesus to so focused on Jesus that he could stand up and sing. He could. Probably better than me, by the way. Shut up, kid. <laughs> For that time, his focus was in one place on one thing, and nothing else distracted him. For that time. Now, if we keep reading, Peter hasn't perfected this move yet. Amen. Me too. I haven't perfected this move yet, but look. Lord, if it is you, command me to come out of the, on the water. And he said, come on, big guy. Well, he didn't really say that. He just said, come, but I put the rest of that in there. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. <laughs> he lost his focus. He lost his focus. Look at this roller coaster. So scared by the storm, I don't recognize my Savior's voice or his appearance. To so focused on him that I want to get out of the boat in the middle of the storm and does and walks and then loses his focus again because he got out. But see, what happened was he was in the boat and as horrible as it was, there was some safety there. Even in the storm, in the boat, there was some safety. Right? But he gets out of the boat and what did he leave behind? All that safety. Now he, I mean, he ain't got no floaties on. He ain't got his scuba gear on. Right? He's out of the boat on the water with no net. And what happened to him? Fear. He looks up and notices the wind and notices the waves, and he began to be fearful again. And his focus went from the storm, Jesus, back to the storm. Right? But he had that time in there. Now, now, you know and I know that, that the moral of this story is, listen, if Jesus tells you to get out of the boat, you get out of the boat, and even if you sink, what happens? He'll save you. I'd make sure it's Jesus' voice. <laughs> but if it is his voice, then get out. If he says get out, you get out. And, and know that he's not going to call you to do something he hasn't equipped you to do. All right, so if he says get out of the boat, you get out of the boat, you're more than capable of doing it as long as your focus is on him. But a lot of times we hear all that and understand all that 
and, and we understand that God has equipped us to undertake what he's called us to do, and we step out to do it, and then our focus goes to the mirror. And we go, look what I did. And then we sink without a safety net. As long as your focus is on Christ, you ain't got to worry about it. You will succeed, and if something happens that you do fail because you're there, because Christ put you there, he'll save you. Peter is known for the guy that tried to walk on water. Peter is known for the guy that got out of the boat. Peter, in my opinion, had a time. It was a short window, but he had a window where he could honestly stand up and go, in the middle of this storm, it is well with my soul. I want you to be able to know and understand that no matter how big your storm is, you can forget. And listen, some of us, we don't even, got, Jesus, uh, Satan don't have to give you a storm. God don't have to allow you to be in a storm because you got enough junk going on that you won't let go of. You don't need a storm. You are your own storm. You have become your own storm. See, you don't care if it's a storm or what it is as long as you're distracted. Forget all that garbage. Forget all that junk. The single most important thing in this world you can do is focus on Jesus. Then, no matter how big your storm is, you can stand in the middle of it and say, it is well. Remember the storm the guy was in that originally wrote the song? Remember, he, it didn't stop there either. That wasn't his last storm. He lost another kid at a very young age. His church disowned him because they said God was punishing him. There's no way somebody can go all that, go through all that, and God not be punishing them. Think about that. This call to discipleship, this call to be a follower of Jesus Christ does not guarantee you happiness. Matter of fact, the opposite is true. You are told, in this world, you will have tribulation. But the verse don't stop there. But, I mean, that, that means everything's going to turn around. But, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. He said, you ain't, it's going to be trouble and it's going to be hard, but good news, it can't beat you. It can't beat you. Why? Because Jesus conquered it. Focus, focus, focus on Jesus. Don't forget about the storm. I'm going to ask Chris and them to come back up here and... and um, we're going to do It Is Well again. I don't know if that was on the schedule or not, but that's what we're going to do now. Y'all probably had your favorite song you're going to get to play, and I just ruined it, didn't I, Johnny? Sorry, man. When we get done with this, I promise we're going to do announcements. I ain't forgot about them. We laid them aside for a reason this morning. I told you it'd be unorthodox, and it has been. I want to encourage you to stand stand up with us, stretch out, get, 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 get woke back up. And we're going to do this again, and I, I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to sing it like you mean it. I want to encourage you to, to participate in whatever God has laid on your heart. Don't worry about all them folks. They're going to fix you hamburgers. They're trying to get you fed. Let them go. 
I need you to focus right here. I need you to, you to focus and take advantage of an opportunity to worship because they're few and far between, and then when we come across one, we let it get by. Don't let it get by. Worship with us this morning.